0: So for those of you who don't know, my name is Mike. This is my wife, Sheena, just celebrated our anniversary, July 29th, just had a son get married and we have a daughter getting married in December. They could not have spaced it out for us. That would have been nice, but they didn't. Um, So Sheena and I are in a season, you know, 55 and turning 53, where most of our fellow patriots or, or... comrades-in-arms. Most of those who are at this stage of life where they're empty nesting. We have a, our, old, our youngest going into his senior year in high school about to empty nest. Most people at our age of life start trying to figure out how to retire, how to go out to pasture, how to move on a golf course, how to, you know, when they think in terms of getting rid of dead weight, it's, it's getting rid of the kids and getting rid of responsibility, getting rid, getting rid, getting rid living free from all the encumbrances that are the rugrats that we have. We were looking at our bills this week and thinking about with these weddings, the things that are coming off our bills. Oh, we have enough to go to, you know, Barbados twice, three times, four times a year. Phone bills and car bills and insurance. and They're giving us a huge savings right now. Thank God they're getting married now. So we could just move out to pasture, or as the Lord's been giving us a word recently, we believe the Lord's been saying to us, dig it out, go deeper, fix your eyes live with greater levels of intensity. The word the Lord gave us specifically in this season of our life is three words, intensity, surrender, and provision. One day I was in the treadmill and as I was on the treadmill, I felt like I heard those words from the Lord, intensify, intensity, surrender, provision. And then it kept going and I felt like the Lord was saying, with, with, when you take it to the next level of intensity I'm going to provoke or require or call you into deeper levels of surrender. But my promise is that in those places, there will be a greater level and release of my provision. And your job, Mike and Sheena, is not to live in the surrender or the provision. That's my part. I want you to take it to a new level or a next level of intensity. Mind, body, and spirit. Dig it out physically. Dig it out emotionally. Dig it out spiritually. Go to get there's a big difference between grooves and ruts, aren't there? We've been married. We just celebrated our 26th anniversary. We've been together 27 years. And there's grooves and there's ruts, A groove is good. You can get in a groove, but a rut. And when God calls us into places of intensity to intensify, next level, mind, body, spirit. So we decided we were gonna dig it out physically. We're gonna lose some weight, get ready for these weddings so these people look at us coming down the aisle, not these kids. December 18th, they're gonna be saying, did did Rachel's parents die? They must have an older sister and brother. Who's that young guy walking her down the aisle? Or they're going to be saying, who's, who's the girl in the white dress with the good-looking guy coming down the aisle? Dig it out physically. Dig it out emotionally. Dig it out spiritually. Take our Sabbath places to next levels and not just be content with living in a status quo. And so that's the context of the passage we're going to look at today. We've just gone through Hebrews 11 where it's the greats of the faith, the hearers of the faith, and Paul, if he was the writer of Hebrews, has these 14 let us statements, and the let us statements are not statements of command or requirement, they are these invitational statements that God invites us into to say, let us take it to a deeper level, let us intensify, And then I'm going to show you places to surrender. And then I'm going to bring provision. And after we've watched these heroes of faith and seen their lives, then he walks right into Hebrews 12 and he says, therefore, if you can put it on the screen, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And let us fix Our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There is an invitation, but a work which comes with fixing your eyes. Fixing your eyes does not just happen, happenstance. Fixing your eyes. The word the Lord gave me for 2021, every year I believe the Lord gives me a word for that year, and it's been alignment or realignment. And the word alignment means to come into a posture or position where nothing is blocking the view or realignment to return to that posture or vision where nothing is inhibiting or blocking vision. To fix eyes is to lock eyes and let nothing distract or block our vision. That's a work. Not works, but a work. And I believe the Lord, and Sheena and I believe the Lord is calling us specifically into a new level or a next level of intensity that will call upon us and provoke in us a deeper level of surrender. But he promises, I will release greater levels of provision. So that's our journey and we just want to invite you into that journey today with us as my beautiful bride speaks some about some of that. Take it away.
1: All right. So, um, anybody watch Netflix through COVID? None of you, right? Um, <clears throat> Mike and I watched a lot of good movies but there was one in particular that came to mind when I was preparing yesterday and that was The Dig. Did anybody see The Dig? With Ray Fines? Alright. It's a good movie. And the movie um, <clears throat> really was a lot about um, hope. It's very child friendly so recommendation your Friday night movie next week, The Dig. Uh, what was happening is the it was set in England and the country was on the brink of World War II and a, a woman had lost her husband they had bought this land and this home and in England they had a child and um, her husband had passed away and they had a dream that there was some kind of treasure buried on the land. They really believed from the evidence of history, geography that there were treasures and maybe ships that were buried from the Anglo-Saxon period on their land. So um, through loss and grief she found uh, this gentleman by the name of uh, Basil Brown and he was an ordinary man Um, I can't remember exactly if he I don't believe he had a college education I think he was trained by his father um, to be understand maps and geography astronomy he was very knowledgeable Um, so she finds him and hires him to come dig and so he's married and he makes this journey on his bicycle day after day to uh, dig these mounds because his mind told him this makes sense. I know from astronomy, geography, I know from history there's a good chance there's something very um, treasure worthy historical beneath these mounds but he also knew something in his spirit because he couldn't see what was beneath but he had hope and courage and he was willing to make that sacrifice day after day to see what was beneath and underneath what he could not see and so he begins and in the meantime the world is panicked because of the news they were about to be invaded so why would ordinary people be digging in the dirt (laughs) while war is enclosing upon them but they had hope they knew there was something more There was something more and something worth living for worth digging it out in the end right before war begins world war ii begins they actually discover it but you know what it took a lot of people joining in the vision joining in the hope joining in the courage and so there was an us that came common villagers you know, they got inspired that there was something more and this village began to dig and dig and dig and yes, treasure was indeed buried beneath the mounds. There was a ship from the Anglo-Saxon period and treasures upon treasures and you have to see the movie, I I won't go any more into it, but the point is, it came to mind this week as Mike and I were talking about what it looks like to dig it out, you know, In this verse, and we'll go back to Hebrews 12, you know, Jen talked a little bit about this last week, but Paul uses this analogy of a race and a runner. I'm not a runner. Um, (laughs) I don't enjoy running at all. But the analogy really is a picture. Whether you're digging for treasure, whether you're running a race, whether you're in a wrestling match, Whatever that looks like, the analogy is there is some kind of work here. A work of discipline, body, mind, and spirit for the goal, right? Basil Brown saw the goal in his mind and his heart. He could not see it physically yet, but he knew something was there to be seen. And... A runner you don't just run and say oh well I don't know what's gonna happen at the end you want the finish line you want the prize and and I the verse that we're gonna focus on today is let us fix our eyes on what Jesus and Jesus is the prize and just like we sing there's nothing better there's no greater prize Than Jesus and to fix our eyes on that have you ever heard the old saying keep your eye on the prize right keep your eye on the prize as as Mike said to lock in is locking in on Jesus what we cannot see but our hearts tell us is alive and real And to focus on that, you know, the word fixed reminds me of the word fixated, right? Fixated to be obsessed on something, to lock your eyes on something is to gaze and to stare. You know, whatever we look at becomes our motivation, what what we're striving for. If our eyes are the lamp, right? Everything that comes in our eyes, our physical eyes, affects our mind, our body, and our spirit. And the goal here, to be able to fix them on Jesus, takes work. It takes discipline, right? Because there's a lot of things we see. You could be looking at the news today, and what's that going to fill your body with? fear right you could be looking at all the things you could acquire right and you're gonna be devoted to those things and Jesus says don't be devoted to money to things where moth and rust will destroy right and I like things this week I got a new refrigerator (laughs) and they I brought it on Friday. I was so excited. And Saturday morning, I find myself like this, opening the doors. <laughs> and I'm just gazing. <gasps> I I even said to the fridge, I love you. <laughs> I truly just love you. And I would close the doors and open it again and say, I love you. I really do. I love you. <gasps> There's nothing wrong with getting a new refrigerator. All right, that's that's not my point. The point is, if I start gazing on that refrigerator, and then I want more, I want a new knife set that actually has the stainless steel to match my new refrigerator, or I need. All new food, this food just isn't even worthy to sit in this fridge. I need all new Tupperware, new, anyway, it goes on and on, right? What we focus on, what we fixate on, what we look at all single, every day, every minute, that's what consumes us, and it manifests itself. You know what I'm talking about. If you watch Netflix all day, the good, the bad, it will manifest itself in your mind, your body, and your spirit. So, if Jesus is our goal, then let's, I want to take a look at what, what the goal is for the future and for today, right? So I want to go to... Uh, Revelation twenty-two, twelve. and yesterday when Mike and I were talking about that's doing a co-teaching I, I got up and um, I don't even know why the Lord, I guess the Holy Spirit led me to Revelation because I was thinking of what does it look like to gaze upward and to know that Jesus is in my heart He's with me, he's in me, but he's also alive and he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's coming back. He's coming back for the marriage supper to get his bride. And this scripture really hit me yesterday. It says, look, mm. and the NIV, I believe it is behold.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Behold, to look, to see. I am coming soon, Mm -hmm. and my reward, that prize, it's with me, Mm. and I will give each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, Mm. the first and the last, the beginning and the end and blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city Jen talked about her stepmother seeing those gates and you know, during if if Jesus is the beginning and the end, he's the author of our faith, he's the finisher of our faith, he starts it, he will finish it, he is coming back. Blessed are those who wash their robes. If you run a race, you know what your clothes look like at the end of that race. They're sweaty, sometimes bloody. You know, when Basil Brown, would dig in the dirt and the mounds day after day. At the end of the day, every muscle in his body was exhausted. He was dirty from head to toe. Some days it was pouring rain and he had mud caked to him. When you finish a race or you finish a football game or you or you do something very physical, you're hungry at the end. And Jesus says, at the end you're gonna eat from the tree of life at the end I'm going to give you that water that living water there is a reward and a prize at the end so how do we remain fixed Mm. we've gotta have resolve we gotta believe you know, Basil Brown was convinced of something. He was certain of something, and nobody was going to change his mind. I want to go to Hebrews 11. Faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Faith is being Certain, you're fully convinced of something you cannot see here. But Jesus says, Open the eyes of our hearts that we will be enlightened to know the hope, the hope of glory. Amen. Right? I want to look at the ancients for just a minute. I'm only going to focus on a couple of them. Go to that next slide. I think it's Hebrews um, 11.7, yes. And I've got the NIV version. Bear with me. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world, shrug it off, And became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with the faith. Noah warned about things not yet seen in holy fear. A fear of God, not the fear of man. And everything else was just going on and people were going on about their business. But Noah was in his backyard building a boat for something that the world had never seen. Rain
0: Mm, was coming.
1: Let's go on to the next one. This one really struck me yesterday. Verse 23 By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You're not ordinary. The children that are sitting in your laps that you feed every day, put to bed at night, they're not ordinary. But Moses' parents had to see something, right? They had to know something. They had to be convinced of a future goal, something extraordinary, to have that kind of faith, to go against the king's order. and hide their child Moses and you know the story the greatness Moses led the people out of slavery Noah had to know something so how do we apply this today moms dads how do you really find out what extraordinary plan God has today I know we have a future a future city that's to come but today and tomorrow how do you know you've got to dig it out mm-hmm. you got to do the work Amen. and that is getting in the secret place Amen. Amen. shutting that door raising those feeble arms and i know they get feeble i know and you got to strengthen those knees and you gotta lift that head and you gotta look and you gotta gaze. You gotta know the hope. You gotta see it. You gotta believe it. You gotta see it in the eyes of your heart and gaze on it. Gaze on it. Spend the time gazing on that hope. See it. Those without a vision will perish. You've got to have vision. We've got to have that vision. Mm-hmm. Some of you may be in pits that you've dug. Ruts. <laughs> Ruts that you've dug. And you may be digging out of that rut. And your body's tired, but you've got to fix your eyes on the prize. Mm. Um we are in special days. you know, Matthew 24 says just like in the days of Noah <laughs> I'm coming back. I'm coming back for my bride. And we need to know and understand the times. But Josh said at the beginning, we're going to focus on let us, right? Some of us have grown weary. Some of you may feel like you you're just like worn out with things but there's an us factor (laughs) let us because when you're running that race there's no greater feeling for your than for your teammate to come up and say come on let's do it and some of us need to really look around and tell your brother tell your sister tell that mother tell that father tell your child get your eyes on the prize Amen. Don't quit. Don't give up. There is an end game here.
0: Don't grow weary.
1: That's right. Don't grow weary. You know, um, I'm going to tell this quick story and I'm not paying any attention to time. We could be here all day. But um, when Jake was in the seventh grade at Andrew Lewis, um, he played football and in the off season, the coaches said, you should wrestle. And Jake did not want her to be on the wrestling team. No interest at all. But you know why they do that? Why do they do that, Jake? Why is wrestling important in the off season? <laughs> he doesn't remember. Well, wrestling, you use every muscle in your body, strengthens your mind, strengthens your entire body, keeps you conditioned so that you don't come into the season next year and you're you've been weakened you actually come in stronger so Mike and I went to our first wrestling match with Jake and we walk into Andrew Lewis and not a seat like we could not find a place to sit mm-hmm. and we're like we don't even know how this works we don't know when he's going to wrestle but we wiggle our way in and we, we sit down and, we're and watching. let me just say
0: before we sat down We both walked in with our Starbucks and our scarves and gloves.
1: Yeah, yeah. Into this
0: very hot gym and we were snobs. Yeah. We were looking at the wrestling crowd going, okay, these people are nut jobs. These are crazy parents. (laughs) Yes. Right, as we're holding our coffee.
1: And we're like, okay, we'll sit here. Well, kid after kid wrestles and these parents are going wild. You think they're wild at football? Go to a wrestling match. Tom, you know what I'm talking about. You've been to those at Andrew Lewis. But um, anyway, it's time for Jake to wrestle, right? And we're sitting there just thinking, okay, you know. Well, the closer you get to the finish line, the closer you get to an actual pin and a victory, the crowd goes nuts. It's like megaphones in there, and they are yelling, pin him, pin him. And before... We knew it. We were up on our feet and we were yelling with the crowd, cheering yeah. on.
0: I broke but, a blood vessel in my, in my forehead. <laughs> I was screaming so loud. We were, we doing were that screaming
1: shot. so loud for yeah. Jake to pin him, right? And uh, anyway, he did. And there's victory and there's cheering. And we sit down and we look at each other and we're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what have we done? We are one of them, but you're getting stronger and stronger as you go, and the great cloud of witnesses are cheering louder and louder, and that's the us. Mm -hmm. We should be the loudest cheerleaders for one another, because there's going to be days where some of you are a little bloodier than others, and you're, you're... tired, you're worn out, and that's when we say, come on, you've got it. Your Father is with you. Jesus is your helper. He is your strength. His grace is sufficient. Come on, don't give up. Don't grow weary. We've got to cheer louder, louder and louder. The time in between the times. He's the author and the finisher, right? That's the in-between time. While we're here, until Jesus returns, there's work to be done not to win righteousness not to win favor we have his favor we are righteous because christ jesus endured the cross we gotta know what we believe we believe that he was the son of god he died on the cross for our sins and he rose again and he lives Amen. here and he's gone and he's made a place for us mm-hmm. There is a city that is coming. Revelation 21 is a good picture of it. We won't go there and read it, but paraphrasing. There is a city that is coming, and the streets are paved with gold, and there are gates. The pearly gates are real. Go read it in Revelation 21, and he is coming back. For his bride, and there will be a great celebration. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a living Savior, and you, all of us, we're living proof of a living Savior. So I want you to think about that. To the world, you are living proof of a living Savior. We should be the strongest. We should be the ones with fearlessness of man and greater fear of God who loves us and has given us access. Mm -hmm. These are times where we should be more and more (laughs) spurring one another on. We should not be wavering in our faith and our hope. And when we do waver, cheer one another on. Get in that secret place. Be more and more generous. Mm -hmm. They will know us because our lives are manifesting the light and the hope Mm -hmm. of Christ Jesus.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Keep running. Don't grow weary, lift your brother up, lift your sister up when their arms are getting feeble, Mm -hmm. strengthen your knees, get in the secret place, intercede, bring your prayers, bring your petitions, fix your eyes. Mm -hmm. Take time this week to read in Revelation 22 when Christ says behold Mm -hmm. I am coming soon and you're gonna wash your robes all that work that you put in Mm -hmm. you're gonna be with me and you're gonna rest and you're gonna Mm -hmm. eat with me at the supper table Mm -hmm. and you're gonna drink
0: Mm -hmm. so as we close and by the way I, I i got to brag on my wife, don't you just love the way she says Jesus? But you know, she says Jesus like that because she carves out space in a closet in our house in the secret space, secret place. There's a work in fixing your eyes and getting in the secret place with Jesus. Moms, dads, there's a work in getting in the secret place and fixing your eyes. There's difference than just looking at something and beholding it. We're called to behold. So what do you do from here today to fix your eyes? It's simple. Let's just start tomorrow. Let's just start today. Let's just start right now by saying, God, my eyes are yours. Just today. Get up in the morning tomorrow morning. Grab your husband's hand. Grab your wife's hand. Don't wait on them to grab yours. Grab their hand and say, today, today, we're just going to fix our eyes on your day. We're going to give you our eyes today. Part of our digging it out is just today we're going to lock eyes and give you our eyes. That we're going to walk around with a vision to see. You know, God is the author. Fix our eyes because he's the author. He's got story to write in us. He's got story to author in us that we have no concept of or no clue of. You know, just a couple weeks ago, I was in the car, the dealership, getting maintenance done on my car, and I'd gotten there too early, and my car wasn't ready. And so the guy says, well, why don't we look at a new car? So my eyes got fixed on a new car. But I'd been walking in this place of digging it out and fixing my eyes on Jesus. So I'm sitting there in the waiting room, waiting as they're looking at my car, and Blah, blah, blah. And I hear the voice of the Lord say, you see that gentleman right over there? I looked to my left and there was an African-American gentleman in the room. He looked like he was, you know, a couple years younger than me. I wasn't sure. And I felt like the Lord whispered, go ask him if he knows your name. And I thought, that is so arrogant. Maybe I'll go ask him, do I know you? But the Lord was very specific. Go ask him if he knows your name. And so I had a choice. Do I fix my eyes and let him have my eyes? Or do I go about looking at what I was doing and wanting what I was wanting? So I walked over and I said, sir, do you know me? And he sits back and he says, are you Mike Massey? I said, I am. And he said, in 1999, you were a young lawyer and walked into my jail cell. And I was charged with distribution and possession and was looking at years upon years. And you found a loophole and you said his name. And you said, there's a way that I can get you out of this. But I said to him, apparently, and I don't remember it at all. I said to him, you know what? You might get set free, but until you call on the name of the Lord, And until you fix your eyes on Jesus, you will not be healed and you will not walk in real freedom. Will you call on the name of the Lord today? And he said, I didn't do it. Four months later, he said, we came back to court to finish everything up. We walked out on the courthouse steps and he was a free man. And I looked at him and I said, you're not ready, but when you call on the name of the Lord, when you fix your eyes on Jesus, he will heal you and you will walk in freedom. And he said, I walked away from you that day. And it wasn't until 2016, I was sitting in my apartment, facing suicide, looking at total desperation. And I was ready to end it all. And I heard your name and remembered your words, call in the name of Jesus, fix my eyes. And I did it that night and I've been set free. I'm now doing gospel singing in churches around the area. And two weeks ago, I said, Lord, let me run into Mike Massey and tell him about this story. I didn't do anything but just be available. And God, how many years later, let me have a reward of faith. There's story to be written. We just need to fix our eyes. Let's give them our eyes. Lord Jesus, We thank you that you are the author. Mm -hmm. You're the perfecter. We thank you that you have done it all. We thank you that you've done the delivering. You've done the rescuing. You've done the freedom part. It's for freedom's sake that we have been set free. If, we are, if the sun has set you free, then you are free indeed. So today in our freedom, we've been set free to give our lives away. We've been set free to come and die. So today we give you our eyes just today. Give us vision today. Give us eyesight just today that we will leave here today with vision to see our families, to see our loved ones, to see people in our communities, to see the lost, to see the dying, to see the hurting, to see the wounded, to see need, God. Give us vision just today. Our eyes are yours. Amen.